Good morning. It is blessed and wonderful to be here. Brother Gary told me, he said, just go right on up after the piano. It made me think maybe I knew what I was doing, and then I realized that sometimes when preachers start thinking too much about knowing what they're doing, I'm reminded of the story of this preacher that moved to this small town, and uh, he was he just was getting acquainted with the town. He was brand new, and he didn't know really where anything was too much, and so he was heading out, and he sees a boy on a bicycle, and it's on Sunday afternoon, and he sees this boy on this bicycle, and he says, son, he said, can you help me? And the kid says, well, maybe, possibly. What is it that you need? He says, well, he said, I need to find the grocery store. So the kid says, well, he said, if you go down here about three blocks and turn left and go down about two blocks, there it is on the corner. So the pastor, he looked at this young man. He said, well, thank you. Thank you. He said, by the way, son, why don't you come back this evening? And he said, I, I, you'll enjoy the service. The kid looks at him. He says, well, what are you going to talk about? He said, well, I'm going to tell you how to get to heaven. Kid looks at him and said, man, you don't even know how to get to the grocery store. So humility is a part of everybody's life. Amen. It is so blessed to be back here. My wife, Lucy, could not come today. She's still working some part time, but uh, she works at the nursing home, has now for 27 years in Iola. And, and, uh, She's down to just a couple of days a week or sometimes three, but uh, they ask, still ask her to help on weekends, uh, you know, so she has to work about every other weekend or a little bit more. So this was her weekend to work. But she did tell us to tell everybody hello and say thank you for all that you do. So we wanted to do that this morning and say thank you to this church for all of your help so very, very much. God bless you so much. and. Um, I might tell you this is our 22nd year of doing events and evangelistic outreach to the prisons in Kansas. 22 years. Uh, when I tell people I've been in prison 22 years, they say, did you commit murder? You know, is that to have that long a sentence? I said, no, we, we try to save those that committed murder. We try to bring life to all of those. But for 22 years, and I will tell you, there are some here that have been with me a lot of that time, and there is one this morning that has been with me nearly all of that time, and that is our son, Randy. So before I go any farther, this young man is a testimony to the young people in this, in, in this country about what God can do. We look in, when we walk into the prisons, and by the way, I might as well give a little bit more of a testimony, and then I'll show a, we'll show a video in a little bit. By the way, we were allowed to be with the youth in Kansas in the prison system just a couple of weeks ago. We were in the Larned facility. Now, the Larned facility used to be the mental health facility for inmates, but most of those have been moved out to different and various facilities, and they moved 300 young people to Larned, and uh, they're between the ages of 18 and 25 years old. And we had service there. Uh, Two nights in that area and two nights in the minimum area, both at Larned, a few weeks ago. And uh, 
God was blessing. But one of the things that I wanted to say about the youth facility is we have been blessed to even be in there because uh, we are one of the few, if not almost the only one, that gets to go in and talk about Jesus with the young people. It is a little different requirement. Also, um, one of the things that we have is generally, and almost every prison that we go to, every time we go, we have a general call-out. And that general call, and when most people go in for volunteer work, into the prisons, they're put into maybe a Protestant Bible study, Catholic Bible study, or a Muslim Bible study, or whatever, or the Quran study, whatever they have. And uh, generally, most people are given the people that when they go into prison, they claim this is what religion I am, and so they get to talk with those people. We have been blessed in that our gener- that our call out is general, so that means we get to talk to everybody. And over the years, we have seen many, many Muslims come to the Lord, many of the Baha'i faith, many of the Wiccan faith, those that certainly never knew God, and what a blessing it is. And uh, the hunger is tremendous, and we are doing more this year than we've ever done. We were just in Larned. We go back in September. We did do the events, but the Lord began to speak to my heart to get these people not only saved, but committed and let them make a a personal testimony to others. And when we were in Larned 20, or I mean, when we were in Larned just two weeks ago, we had, uh, between the two facilities, we uh, we had 27 men come forward for baptism, not only salvation, but baptism in those two days. So we baptized 27. They said we've never seen that many people baptized in this facility in all the years we've ever been here. But that was because of God's blessing, and and uh, that it's just a tremendous, tremendous thing. We saw that many, and one night, we were in the minimum unit there, and we started to pack up. And of those 27, five couldn't come out because they had jobs to do or something, and they couldn't be in the service, but they heard the service. And they heard what I said, and they heard what God said, which is much more important, and they began to listen and uh, so we were getting to ready to pack up and and go, and we were packing some musical equipment and some PA stuff and things that we have. And in the process, I looked across the street where they had had our they had a portable baptistry set up, and there was the chaplain bent over. And these men had come out, and since we couldn't be over there and we're trying to load things, he baptized five that night also. They couldn't get in on the service, but they were determined they were going to get in and be baptized that evening. So I think we could say praise the Lord and glory to God that we are seeing the evidence of what God wants to do. We talked in Sunday school class this morning. I know that this world seems to be a dark place, and sometimes we struggle and wonder. And I want to use, I want to talk about that in Scripture in a little bit, but the truth of the matter is we are a people of victory. When we become a a people of depression or a people of despair, then we have allowed the enemy to say we can't do it. But glory to God, we are a people of victory today, and it all takes faith. And God always honors faith. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. But I know something that probably would counter work with that, and that is that with faith it is possible to please God. So when we step out in faith, doing the things he says, And some of the things we've done are not what people said to do, I can guarantee you. But they are what God said for us to do. Some of our music and some other things are a bit questionable with some folks. 
But it has worked over the years. And one of the young men that probably plays guitar probably better than anybody I know and has really been working on it this last couple of years is, is my son Randy, still playing the guitar behind his head, still bringing the young people out to see that guitar and see what God's doing with him. And I'm going to let him come before we show the video, and I'm going to let him testify about some of the last 22 years. He started with me when he was only 14 years old, and they didn't want to let him in. He had to be 18, but they said, if he'll stand by you, we'll let him come in and play that guitar and talk to the inmates some too. So, Randy, if you'll come up, then we'll, then we'll start the, the video here in just a moment. One, two, one, two. Talking loud's not something I've always been great at. So as um, some of the, Richard and some of the guys know that they're always saying, talk louder, Randy, because I'd always tried to get used to playing the guitar loud. But anyway, thank you guys for having us today. Uh, you guys have been a blessing. Uh, Pastor Gary and his church has really helped us a lot the last number of years, and uh, we're excited. Um, as my dad said, um, the ministry's really uh, had had some great things happen. It's had ups, it's had downs, and then it's, you know, last couple of years has been a lot more ups. And we just, we're here to share that with you, that the Lord is moving. He's been, he's been good to us and he's used us even we didn't, when we didn't know exactly what he was going to do. And I think that's just what he asked of us, is just to be willing. So we're trying to improve as we go and uh, excited to hear my dad's sermon. So we just guys, we just give the Lord a hand just for what he's done the last number of years, and thank you. Thank you very much. There are two other groups of people here, two, two husbands and wives, that I, we would not have gone through without them. And... Uh, that is Brother Jerry and Deanna Taylor, who are part of the church here, and also Brother Richard Olson and, and uh, Nancy from Tonganoxie. And I'm gonna, I'm just gonna build them up. These guys traveled in the heat, stood out with a cooker, stood by the heat at 95 degrees to cook for inmates, traveled and did the work. Jerry was in with us last year. We one of the things that happened in the prisons is, that, uh, as you read in the paper, the staff is has been uh, cut quite a bit in the prison system. A little harder for us to get the cooker in now because they have to have staff to search it and so many things. So we started just serving pop and, and crackers a couple of years ago, and it seems to be working very well, very, very well. I can tell you that uh, one of the prisons that's the strongest behind us is one right close to you, Topeka. We go there quite regularly. We uh, were there at Christmas. We were there again in March. We were there again in May. And we'll go be going back again a couple of times this year. But the last time we were there, in the very maximum facility, they let out 175 women to come and hear us. And again, we have a general call out, so that was about 100% of the women that were in that one area. When we gave the altar call that night, 172 came forward. Somebody said, how did you know there was 172? 
I said, because it was easier to count the ones that didn't come forward. There were three. We are seeing a hunger in the prisons like we've never seen. And our, our opportunities have stood in spite of some trial and tribulation. The prisons are still asking, can you come? Would you come? And the truth of the matter is people all over our world are looking for a message. And so I'm going to show the video. We have a, about a one-minute video of one of the baptisms, and we are waiting on pictures and video from Larned. In order to uh, take pictures, it is a process. They clear the pictures, they clear the people, and then, uh, and then basically it takes where well, they have to go through the state, and there are victims' issues and things before we can ever show pictures. So what you're going to see today is one of the gentlemen from Winfield that cleared before we ever went to Larned. So we're going to show that right now. Today, this is a public confession of faith. I mentioned that already. Are you willing at this point to make that public confession of faith, letting this water baptism show that you've gone in as the old man, but when you come up, it's to say, I'm on my road as a new man in Jesus. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Short video. The first gentleman you saw there came in that night and had been with us. We had three nights, four nights at Winfield. We were there, uh, no, yeah, four nights we were in Winfield. And um, he came to all of the services. And he came in that last night. We were going to baptize the last night. And he came in that last night, and I didn't recognize him. The reason that I didn't recognize him was because all the other three nights he had this great big beard. And uh, he said, you don't really, he comes, comes in with his towel and an extra pair of jeans to put on, carrying his clothes. And he said, I said, are you going to be baptized? And he said, yes, you don't recognize me, do you? And I said, no, I don't. He said, I shaved my beard off today. And I said, well, I would have baptized you if you had a beard. You know, it wasn't a mandatory requirement. And he said, well, it was for me. And I wanted to share you this with you. He said, when I was in the drug culture, when I was in the criminal activity, he said, I did everything to cover my life and, and not let anybody know who I was. He said, I tried to be in some kind of a disguise nearly all the time. Up until that time, I had not had a beard. And then he said, when I started into the drug culture and began to sell drugs, he said, I did that to cover what I was doing. He said, today, I have, I have listened to the Lord. I'm on a new path. 
I'm going to get a new face. I'm going back and starting brand new again. And I thought, what a tremendous, tremendous testimony that somebody would say, I'm going to shave off my beard. I'm going to start with Jesus. And what a, what a testimony. Some of the men, particularly the young men that we baptized at Larned, will face ridicule. They had to stand. There was about 80 men in there that night, young men that saw those baptized. And uh, they will face ridicule when they go back. And yet they stood up in front of their own peers and said, this is my life from now on. I will not turn away. I'm going to make a public confession and a public commitment to Christ. So that is a, such a blessing. And uh, I, I, I really feel, I don't want to take too much time today, but I really feel that with uh, Brother Richard and Brother Jerry here, I think it would be tremendous for you maybe to hear from them just for a moment. If Brother Richard would stand first and just give us a little testimony about what he's done in this ministry and the, and, and the blessing to him, and then Brother Jerry, if you would. Amen. Brother Jerry. Amen. And I truly want to lift these men up. I, without them, we would have not been here, honestly, and because of their help, their financial help, their spiritual help, and traveling and doing the work. That is really what it takes. And uh, uh, this ministry, lest you think that it's ever been anything easy, we do see a lot of results. This ministry has seen the results because of a step of faith, not only on my part, but from those others. And I will tell you, as I did in Sunday school class, God still blesses faith. It is the one key ingredient that he looks for. James said, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Today, we need again to say in this world we're living in that it is truly time that we begin to say we have a God that can change things. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit from Scripture, and I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. 
as we read the scripture from God's word, it is finished. John chapter 19 and verse 28 through 30. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with this sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it in his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up the spirit. Let's ask the Lord's blessing today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here in this facility. God, to be talking of your good work. So many in our world today are talking of all the evil that is going on, and yet we know that we are not helpless nor hopeless in this situation. Because of your work, God, today, that we also have an opportunity to share good news. That in the midst of trial and tribulation and even death, that Lord, there is good news that Jesus still changes lives, that he still brings back those that are dead in spirit. Today, God, I pray that you would cause us to know you more, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated this morning. Years ago, this was a scripture that just was constantly on my mind. I was, uh, I tease a lot to the inmates, and I know some of them that have been with me have heard me say this, but I, I tell the inmates, I said, when I was a kid, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church all the time. And uh, it is uh, one of those times that I would be, uh, my, my mother and my father thought I, or my mom particularly, thought I needed to be in church whenever the door was open. Even if it was sometime during the day, they'd drive by and they would say, you probably need to go to talk to the preacher. And uh, most time he just said, man, I, I don't need to talk to you, but here you are again. And uh, so I had, uh, we were in one of those, what they call praying churches, a little more Pentecostal. And they would be into the night praying for people. And I, I uh, used to kind of not like that. I would ask my mom when are we leaving. They'd have Sunday evening service. And uh, I mean, they might start at, I think it was 7 back then. But we might not got home till 11, maybe later, maybe 12. And uh, when I was little, they put me on the front pew and said, go to sleep. And uh, so I did quite often. And I was praying and a little bit, but I would just kind of think, man, I don't know what's going on here. And they were praying and seeking God, but more for, for what they needed. And there were always prayer requests. And in our little town, there were people that were sick, and we didn't really have a doctor, and our church didn't have any money. So we were stuck with the situation of saying, okay, God is still God. He still heals. He still delivers. And they were, and so in my youth, I was put on the pews and and was told, you know, to stay there. And so I spent a lot of time in church, a lot of time in church. And uh, we only had one channel or two on the TV. And my dad thought that was of the devil anyway. And sometimes he'd say, well, that's, he'd see those old antennas back then on the roofs. And he said, well, there's the devil's horns, you know. So uh, my time was spent mostly away from the TV and in church any extra time I had. And because of that, 
I begin to listen. And I begin to dream. It doesn't hurt to be a dreamer. It doesn't hurt to see things that can be. We have too much news today that tries to find fault and sometimes make things much worse than they even are. I, I, I see the news today media has taken, instead of trying to find something good, it seems like if there's a plane wreck or whatever it is, it seems like they're always ready to blame somebody. It just seems like they cannot find good news. There's just not any hope for finding good news. Even if something good happens, they'll turn it into something bad. So I began to look and I began to think, what is there about this Bible that Jesus had, that Paul had, the disciples had, the apostles had, that we have, that could change lives? And I realized that it was all culminated in these three verses and in those three words. It is finished. If you look in John, or if you look in the first chapter of this, and I'm not going to spend all the time to go back and forth, but if you look in the first chapter of John, you realize it starts out in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And you realize that without that happening, there wouldn't be any us. When he dwelt among us, the reason there's an us is because they create, he, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as a trinity created us, but they created a, uh, they, they created a message of salvation before they ever created man. They knew that man was what God knew. I say they, but it was one, three and one, but he knew we would slip. So he gave us an opportunity to have something that is finished. I work on some old cars. There's nothing worse than trying to get in an old car that has three wheels and try to drive it. Or no motor. Somebody say amen. Or some of them today with the newer ones that the computer gives up. You know, there's nothing worse than trying to get that thing to listen to you. Amen? Our world deals in things that are incomplete. I see a lot of people today and they got they got cell phone. I got one too. I got there's my cell phone. And people ask me why I don't have a smartphone. I says cuz I'm not as smart as the phone. That's the reason. They say this is it. We always have the best, but then next week there's another one. We have to have something different next week because the other one must not have been finished because we have to add something to the new one. We have to have something new in order to try to get along and hope that we can find the answer. I talk about this with the inmates. When I go into the prisons, I see tattoos. Lots of tattoos. Sometimes they shave their heads so they have more room to put tattoos. They got tattoos front, back, on their face, and then they shave their head and they get a little bit more room. All those tattoos tell a story. Generally not good. Most of them are experiences that they've had. 
Most of them are, the, are, are times they took drugs or started on drugs or maybe even murdered somebody. So that's what some of those tattoos mean. I've never asked for explanations, though I have gotten some over the years. I've never asked anybody, what are you in prison for? And the re in all those years, and the reason is, is because I realize I don't come in there to glorify the devil with what he did. I come in there to let them know that no matter what they've done, Jesus can change their life. That we have something that's more powerful and can change lives no matter what else happens. That we have a God that will change lives. And this world is dealing with things incomplete. I told the inmates the other night, I said when I was talking about tattoos at Larned, I, I said, you know, you've all seen these guys covered with tattoos. I said, you know what the one really gets me is? When they got the one up here on their arm, and the first one starts with Mary. And the next one starts with Tina. Mary's crossed out. They go to Tina. Then they got somebody else and somebody else. They couldn't find anybody that would have them. Either that or they got rid of them and got somebody new. They're wearing a tattoo of daily trying to find something. But Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said, he gave one more opportunity before he died. He gave one more opportunity to the soldiers to say, I thirst. Do you care about me? Would you give me something to drink? And they showed that they had no concern for him in the fact that they reached into vinegar and gave him vinegar instead of water. He realized that at that particular point, that the only hope of this world was his death and then his resurrection. He ended it with those three words. It is finished. What's that mean to me? That means when I walk into the prisons, or I walk into a church, or if I go anywhere, then I'm not dealing with an incomplete God. I'm not dealing with something that won't work. I'm not dealing with a car with three wheels. I'm not dealing with an engine that won't run. Glory to God, I've got the one thing that only matters in this entire world, and that is that the one that went in the grave came back again. It had to be done so that we could now have something when we walk into the prisons or go into this world that we are not helpless, nor hopeless, nor without any benefit but glory to God, we're bringing the one thing to them that they've never had. Something that is finished, something that is perfect, and something that brings hope. When we face this world today, I'm afraid sometimes in this world, even our churches, we turn to a lot of things, a lot of technology, sometimes really, really beautiful buildings. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But they're not what we have our hope in. Those are just things. Just like some of the other things we work on. And sometimes we get our hope on maybe this will work. And we sometimes spend a lot of money. But the truth of the matter is we still have an opportunity. I was always a person that didn't have money. And yet the Lord reached down and picked me up. And you know, in the last number of years, we haven't had much either. We started out this ministry a little stronger. But some of you know my story, some don't. But we went through some trials and some tribulations. And some of it's a lot of the ways we lost a lot of the money. At one time, 50 churches quit supporting us at one time because somebody told them to, because an official. 
And you know, in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all of that, I've still been able to say when I go into the prisons that I have something the world can't give and the world can't take away. That we have a Savior. That we have an answer. And this world is looking for it. The tears that the men cried at Lauren and the tears, the things that they did, let us know that they were so anxious to get an answer. You see, they don't have cell phones in prison. It's probably a good thing. They don't have the Internet. They don't have all of the Facebook. They don't have all the different opinions. Sometimes I think we get to the point that we ask all kinds of opinions. I talked to a young man a while back, and he said, told me he was going with this girl. And he, I said, well, is it going good? He said, well, it would be if she talked to me. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, before she ever gets dressed, she has to Facebook and write and call 10 of her friends to see if this colored dress she's wearing is okay. He said, she don't want to hear me, but she wants to hear everybody else. And I realized so there's, some, there's some important life lessons in some of the things that are going on today. And some of those life lessons are is we have to listen to the one that told us to do what he said and not be directed by everybody else. That we have to go and do what God tells us to do. And when we do, we can see miracles. All Brother Richard, Brother Jerry, all those people you ever saw come, those were never with us out there doing something that was with anything that we had or anything that, that, that we wanted to do. We tried to be our best at it. But if we ever saw God move, it was because of God. It was because that Jesus said it is finished. Today we don't have something that's unfinished. We don't have to buy anything else. We can. We don't have to have any more. Today we already have it all. It is finished. One of the things the devil knew was that Jesus had overcome some tests. And he brought him lame legs and blind eyes, brought him deaf ears. And every time those tests happened, Jesus overcame them, every single one. Always with victory, getting people healed when they were sick, getting people to walk that never walked, getting people to, to be able to talk that hadn't talked. All those things were victories. But the devil knew he said, there's one test that we can put him through that nobody else can overcome. Because every other prophet, every other so-called Messiah, everybody that he had put in the grave stayed there. And yet Jesus said, that's one test I'm going to overcome. If you put me in the grave, let me tell you something. I'm coming back again. It truly will be finished then. It won't just be a visit to the grave. It will also be a visit with the resurrection. I am the one that if you lock in that grave, that I'm coming back. Today we have a, we truly have a, a gift that is finished. So when somebody says, well, how do you do this? Who do you, who is it that you talk to? Some of my, we had mentoring this morning in Sunday school. Some of my greatest mentors were people nobody ever thought would ever be anybody but they were people that cared about me they were people that taught me different things and i realized today that we have a gift that when we walk into the world it is a life-changing gift so today i'm looking at that and saying it is finished so when we walk back into the prisons again it's never tom or tom and randy or tom and randy and lucy or 
you saw a couple of volunteers on the video. We had some volunteers there that night. It's never our team. It is the gift that we can give out that matters. So as we look again at all of this world that's collapsing around this church, the world may be changing, but salvation has never changed. I want to close here in a moment with just a different picture of Jesus. I won't go into it again because of time. You can always look it up or, or know that it's there. But in Revelation chapter 1, we see the same John that wrote this book, John the Apostle, and he's on the island of Patmos. They had put him in exile. They had put him out on the island. They wanted to kill him, but he was popular, fairly popular with the people, so they wouldn't kill him, but they put him out on this island. He was Jesus' closest friend. And he got on that island and he began to pray, Lord, would you come and see me? They've got me out here on this island. Now Jesus had already died and resurrected, but he began to just speak to the Lord and said, I, I, I certainly would love if you would visit me. And when he did, the Bible said that Jesus showed up. But it was not like John expected. In fact, when he saw him, he fell down like he was dead. And you begin to say, well, what happened? What was it that caused John to do that? Well, Jesus was now the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He wasn't the man that was five foot nine or ten anymore. He wasn't walking down the streets of Jerusalem and healing one or two at a time. Now he was getting a picture of what a king looked like. He was getting a picture of what it was like to have a finished king. One that truly had gone into the grave, had been here as we are, gone into the grave, but now had resurrected. Now he's seeing a finished king. And when he looks up at him, the Bible says that John saw this and he fell down like he was dead. Some people say he was dead. I don't know. But I know that Jesus reached down his hand and he picked him back up. And I'm paraphrasing here, but you can almost hear him say, don't, don't, you, don't you know me? I'm your closest friend. Don't you know me, John? No. The reason is, is this. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His hair was like fine wool. His feet were like brass. And when he spoke, the entire world heard it. A sword proceeded out of his mouth, and it would devour all of his enemies. This was not the man that John expected. The man that was five foot nine now had completed the last test. I can, I don't, it's hard to even talk about it without seeing the tears. Thinking about knowing that's how big our God is, is that after he went, he said, go ahead and put me on that cross. I've got one more test. I've healed the blind eyes, the lame legs, the deaf ears. But put me on that cross. Go ahead. Because when I come back, my eyes are going to be like a flame of fire. My hair is going to be like fine wool. My feet are going to be like brass. When I speak, everybody in the world is going to hear it. One of these days, he's going to come 
from heaven with a shout. The trumpet's going to blow and everybody's going to hear him. And we can say, there he is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's the one I told you about. That ought to be exciting today. One of these days, we will all see him like that. The Bible tells us every eye will see. So John looked at him said, I don't know. Jesus could have said, you're seeing the finished product. When I was with you, John, I was on the way to the grave. Now I've overcome the grave. You're seeing what the king looks like now once he's completed the test. In Revelation 1.18, I want to close with that verse. It says this. said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I'm the one that was alive and then dead, and now I live forevermore. And in my, in my hand are the keys to hell and death. Church, everybody in this world is facing hell and death right now. Everybody. They'll either get over it with Jesus, they'll either be saved, or they will face hell and death, every single one of them. Every inmate, every young person in the college, every young person in our towns, everybody out here is facing hell and death. But we have the one that says, I got the keys. If you're locked in hell and death, if you're locked in trial and tribulation, if your life is full of of drugs and habitual violations in prison. Or if it's not, if it's full of situations like that and you're not in prison. If it's full of sin and, and you don't even know what all the sins are and you've never been saved, then this is the man to look at. Because his eyes are like a flame of fire, his hair is like fine wool, his feet are like brass. And when he speaks, the whole world hears it. This is the one that now is finished. It is finished. So when we go into the prisons today, we go with God's blessing, saying, go in there, play loud, do what it takes to get them to come out. But when you talk, you let them know. Muhammad never came out of the grave. The Baha'i faith never had a risen Savior. The Wiccan faith doesn't serve a risen Savior. You let them know. You let them know that I'm the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why they come running. Because they want to know Jesus. Today as we step back out here, I may be a little stronger this morning, I don't know, but I've seen the miracles of God. I know He still does miracles. And as we step back out here today, we want to see more and more souls come to the Lord and we want to see more and more baptized and we want to see more volunteers and we want to see more help. We need your help in order to do that. And I'm going to ask Brother Gary to come up in a moment. But I could never say thank you enough to these two gentlemen and their wives and to Randy and to all of you to believe in us so that we can go out and share the gospel that there is a perfect Savior. Not one that's not that's dead, not one that some other religion has, but one that finished 
the work. So when we go out today, we have a perfect gift. Brother Gary, I'll turn this back to you. Thank you, brother. God bless you.